0: And I want you to take your Bibles real quickly with me. Remain standing for just a moment. We're going to uh, read just two or three verses this morning, and uh, we're going to address we're going to address a very, very serious subject. Uh, a subject I think is kind of neglected in the church today. Uh, we we want to try to keep people happy, and we want to try to. Uh, keep people upbeat and sometimes by doing that we neglect something that's real critical and something that is a problem I, I, you know, I, I know with all of my heart every doctor every doctor in every doctor's office in America wants to be able to say with every visit everything is fine Every doctor wants good news every time. Would, would y'all have to agree with that right there? I mean, I, I, I would have to say if he didn't, he shouldn't even be a doctor, amen? But every doctor wants good results. Every, got, every doctor wants a, a good test. But that's not reality. That's not reality. And if he's a good doctor, he's going to tell you what's really wrong. Are y'all with me? And so sometimes we, we neglect this subject, and we're not going to today. We, we, we really need to cover it. I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of Christians... I'm seeing a lot of Christians be very careless with sin in their life. Sin is very dangerous. It is very dangerous. And now let's, let's read just a, just a moment. We're going to read just a couple verses in, in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Second Samuel chapter number 11. We're going to read in verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. And it came to pass, we have it up here on the screen too if you if you didn't have your Bible with you today and you can follow along. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But, read it with me, David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now at the time when... When, when kings go forth to battle at the time when, when David should have been on the battlefield when at the time when he should have been busy for the Lord he stayed home he stayed home now the Bible says and it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon and David had sent and inquired after the woman And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, the Bible says that we'll be tempted on this earth, but God will never allow us to be tempted above that we are able, but with the temptation, provide a way of escape. How many of y'all know that's in the Bible? Well, at this point, this is his way of escape. Somebody said, Wait a minute, David. I know she's good looking, but she's a married woman. At that moment, at that time, that should have been the end of the whole deal. But the Bible says in verse 4, And David sent messengers and took her. She came in unto him, and he lay with her. And For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Now, now it seems like, listen, snuck in, snuck out, one night stand, it's a done deal, it's over with. Hey, I, listen, we had our, our thrill, but now it's over. Nobody's got to know. Nobody's got to know. There's only one problem. A few days later, a few weeks later possibly, the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, read it with me. Say it again. The Bible says very clearly, be sure your sin will find you out. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to see the seriousness of sin. Help us to see the danger of sin. Father, I pray that your will be done. Speak to my mind. Don't let me forget anything I need to say. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Father, we'll praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have a situation where the king has messed up. The king has committed adultery. Now, now, the product of this affair is, is we have Bathsheba with child while her husband is on the battlefield. She is with child, and David he has to do something about this he has to cover this deal up he has to he has to he has to make this right And and in his mind he said by making it right i'm gonna, I'm gonna cover it up i'm gonna have your ride come back and i'm not i'm gonna save time because this message is a little bit more lengthy than 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 we might have time for so we're gonna we're gonna shrink it down and 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 so we can all get the 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 really the 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 just of this uh, uh and, and i gotta hide it i gotta hide it david was a man after god's own heart David wrote psalms like like no other. David would write songs and teach people them and lead in worship. He was a worship leader. He was a man of God. He was the anointed psalmist of Israel. But now he's in the blackest sin of his life. And I've got to cover it up. I've got to cover it up. He calls, if you'll continue reading, you'll find out that he calls Uriah. He says, he t- sends to Joab, the, the commander, he says, send Uriah to bring me messages on how the battle's going and and, and, and surely surely Uriah will come and he will go spend time with his wife and, and then that way we can say the baby is his and, and, and we can cover this whole deal up, but there's only one problem. God's not going to let you cover your sin. And Uriah comes and he he gives him word of the battle and then and when David said all right you go on home and matter of fact he even tries to entice him and send a feast home with him to try to cover his sin but Uriah listen he has more character than David had in his little pinky at that point in time say amen. He went and he slept with the servants at the king's gate. Word got back to David, and and, and and they said, "Listen, Uriah didn't even go home. He stayed here at the king's gate." And David said, "What are you doing, man? Why uh, you've come from a journey? Your wife's there. Won't you go on home?" He says, "Oh no, I can't do that. I can When my men are in battle, when my men are on the warfront, when I'm listen, there's no way I could go in and enjoy this luxury while my men are out there fighting the battle. What character?" and then he tried another time he tried to get him drunk he said surely if I can get him drunk and entice him he'll go on home and that didn't work either Well, the next part of the plan was hatched he began and he wrote a hit on Uriah and gave it to him in his own hand and said deliver this to Joab And he told Joab, he said, you get into the hottest part of the battle and you put Uriah right on the forefront and then you back away and allow him to be killed. What did he do? He just assassinated one of his most faithful men to cover his sin. And then one of the darkest sentences and, and verses in the whole deal to me is when it it finally took place and, and Joab sent a messenger to tell him it was a done deal and Uriah was dead. David told this messenger, now go back and tell Joab, don't let this bother you. Hey, listen, they die every day. They die every day. It's nothing but a thing. How dark had David gotten in this point in his life? But there was only one problem. Nobody else may have knew it. Maybe just a couple servants, but God knew it. And the Bible says in the last verse of that chapter, this thing displeased the Lord. I want to share with you just a couple things today about sin, just a few things that I want you to see. Uh, where we are and where we have ended up is murder. Here we are, an innocent man is in the grave. An innocent man has died. An innocent man who knew nothing about the situation, who knew nothing about his death warrant, who knew nothing about the the, the plan that David had hatched to take his own life. Here he is in the ground, an innocent man who did nothing but fight for David. But we didn't get here. This 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 is not an overnight deal. And here's what I'm saying. If we will go back in that chapter all the way back to verse number 1, we'll find out that one day he didn't just wake up and become a murderer that day. That's not what took place. We'll find out if we go all the way back to verse number 1, we will find out this. Number 1, there is a progressive character in sin. There is a progressive character of sin. In other words, sin doesn't stay small for very long. It says in verse number 1, it says at the time when kings were at battle, David stayed home. Now, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if he was tired. I don't know if he was fatigued. I don't know if he was just getting soft because here he is. Uh, See, he was a man of war. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his 10,000. He was a mighty man of battle. He was known for his fighting ability and his warfare. He was known for all of that. But now he had gotten relaxed. Now he had been in the palace. Maybe the comforts of the palace had made him a little bit soft. Maybe he was just a little wore out. Regardless of the fact, he was not well he should have been now what's the point of that I tell you most people today many Christians today they're not in the meth house they're not in the crack house they're not in the strip joint they're not in the juke joint they're not there but they're becoming very careless with their spiritual walk with God they're becoming very careless with their spiritual life and I'm telling you, you say well that's not a big deal it was carelessness that began in the walk of David that led him all the way a murder he should have been on the battlefield He should have been fighting with his men. He should have been doing the will of God in his life, but he took a break. Do you realize you cannot take a break on God? You cannot, or excuse me, you cannot take a break on the devil. You cannot slow up. You cannot give up. You are fighting against the stream of this world, and as soon as you stop swimming, you're going backwards. There's no middle ground. We can't take a vacation. We can't slow up. We have to be vigilant every day. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is as a roar in line, who roameth about seeking, whom he may devour. I'm telling you, when we get careless, we're in trouble. It was just simple carelessness. Carelessness. And then here he is. He's on the rooftop. I don't know if he's heard word. The word got around it. There was a good-looking woman that would take a bath every time, and he was up there to check it out. I don't know if he just couldn't sleep. I don't know what the deal was, but all I know is that here he is. He's on his rooftop, and he looks, and he sees a woman taking a bath. Now, right there, right there, he should have turned away. Right there, he should have went. Right there, he should have stopped it. He should have brought into captivity every thought and imagination of his heart. Preacher, what are you saying? It's not a sin for a bird to land on your head. But it is, it is a sin for you allow it to build a nest. Are y'all with me? Now, men, I want to talk to men for just a second. I'm one of your kind. I get it. I'm just like you. You're just like me. Whether you want to admit it or not, we're red-blooded men. Men to the bone, men. Good-looking women are everywhere. I said it. Listen, I'm going to just be real. Y'all, y'all, y'all got the most honest, real uh, pastor in America. And if you can't handle that, you're in the wrong place. But I'm just telling you, there's good-looking women everywhere. And there's good-looking women everywhere that's not saved. And they don't understand what modesty means. And they don't understand that the way they act and the way they dress around you causes you to fall and to be tempted and to do things in your mind that you shouldn't do. Now that's out there. It is a fact. We just got to accept that that's out there. And I'm not giving you no excuse. When you see that, it's going to be there some way, some place in your life. It may be on a magazine stand on Cosmopolitan Magazine as you're going through the grocery store. It might be on a billboard sign somewhere. It might be walking down the hallway in the grocery store. It It's out there and it's not a sin for it to walk by but it's a sin for you to let it stay in your mind and contemplate the situation we've got to be alert we cannot be careless we cannot be careless we've got to be alert and ladies the same thing listen you ladies that are working outside the home and you're around other men listen that temptation is there. feelings will arise when you're around them all the time I'm telling you you got to be careful Nobody in the world, nobody, nobody on the planet stood right here with, with, with one, of them, one of them things over the head in front of a preacher, her with a white dress, him with a tuxedo, and thinking that day, boy, I wonder when I'm going to have an affair. That doesn't take place. They don't wake up one day and say, I just, and you hear people say, well, it just happened. That's a lie. And you know I'm telling the truth. Affairs don't just happen. A process takes place. A process takes place. A process of thinking. A process of looks. A, a, a process of glances. And then, and then maybe this word is said, maybe this compliment is given, maybe this takes place, but then all of a sudden, listen, you grow up one day, and here you are, you were careless with a word, or you were careless with a thought, or you were careless with a glance. Then now, over here, you're in a hotel room after it's over thinking, my God, how did I get here? How did I get here? I tell you, it started... With carelessness. Isn't it amazing how judgmental Christians are? It's amazing how we can look at somebody that's hooked on crack and think, boy, I tell you what, guess what? Paul said, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there would I be. Not one one alcoholic, not one drunk said, boy, I can't wait to grow up and be a drunk. Not one person that's hooked on cigarettes. Not one. I ain't met one who thought, boy, I just couldn't wait to get addicted to these things. My coon hunting buddy, my coon hunting buddy, he said this. He said, I'd sell every farm that I have if I could quit these things. He said, I hate them. I despise them. But it always starts with one. Every drunk started with one drink. Every addict started with the first one. And they were careless. Why why are you focusing on that? You see, there's a progression. First he was careless. Then he was lustful. Then he was adulterous. He went from being careless to just lusting, and then he committed adultery, and then tried to to have deceit, and went from adultery to being a murderer. Well, why are you just staying on that careless part over there? because that's where most of us are at. Now, nobody in this room is thinking about going and killing... Well, probably nobody in this room is going to think about killing nobody. I mean, you just never know anymore. But that's probably not where we're at. Are y'all with me? That's not where we're at. And I'm hoping. I'm hoping and praying. Nobody's planning on meeting somebody at 4 o'clock. Say amen. But you know what? That could be a very real reality but I'm praying that that's not it I'm praying that that's not there I'm praying that we, we don't have we're not, we're not lusting right now in the house of God amen I'm, I'm, I'm. but it's very easy to say I don't need to pray today well I'm running late for school or I'm running late for work I, I just read my Bible later well, boy, I tell you what, I, I, now my normal time's at at 8.30 service, but boy, I tell you what, having church at 7.30 in the morning, I just, God understands. Get careless. How many of y'all have ever gone to the gym? How many of y'all ever seen one? That's a start, eh, amen. You got to start somewhere. I I know I don't look like it. But I have visited one a time or two. And I was in a groove. We was going good. And and me and Steve Gardner, we was going after it. I mean, and I, I'd gotten down to about 195. I was gorgeous. Say amen. Tammy ain't here to back it up. Oh, yeah. She probably wouldn't back it up no how. Amen. That's why she ain't here. She's cooking. Amen. I was doing great. I mean, I had my partner. Here we go. And, and he said, well, I got to work this week. And then I woke up that morning. Oh, Steve ain't gonna be there. He'll be there. I'll just go Monday. And then, well, well, we'll just try. Wait, maybe. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many started and quit? Raise your hand. Now, God's gonna, God's gonna let every tire go flat on your car if you lie again in the house of God. Started to diet and quit it. Start, start, started exercising and quit. I mean, my, 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 my deal. Uh, you know, New Year's resolution all the time. And why because it's so easy when you miss one to miss two and to miss two then miss three i tell people all the time listen we go out of church on wd-40 we come back on sandpaper is that not true it's ten times harder to get back in the groove of church and get back in the groove with god and get back where we're supposed to be than it is to get out it's real easy to get out amen you know what that is? It's being careless. Being careless. You see, sin has a progressive character. It just grows and grows. This little white lie becomes a little bit bigger lie. Then you got to tell another lie to cover that lie. Amen? I couldn't remember the word dough this morning. The Bible calls, you know, there a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You have that lump of dough and you have a little leaven there. It leaveneth the whole, I mean, it just spreads. And sin is the same way. It's got a progressive. He just went from being careless to being a murderer. I've got to believe in my mind that David woke up that next day and thinking, how did I get here? You know why? Sin has a progressive character. Every every child born out of wedlock, listen, every teenager thought, well, just a little hand-holding wouldn't hurt nothing. Just a little hugging won't hurt nothing. Just a little kissing won't hurt nothing. Just hanging out and, and making out. That's not going to hurt anything. And then here we are. We're standing in a doctor's office. And now, what? how did we get here? Life completely turned upside down. You know why? Because sin has a progressive character. Sin not only has a progressive character, but I find out in this verse that sin has a painful consequence. Sin has a painful consequence. And you know, the first consequence is really not found in this chapter. You've got to go to Psalms 32 to find the first consequence that David experiences when he has committed this awful sin. We see the Bible says in Psalms 32, in Psalms 32, the Bible says in verse 3, when, <coughs> excuse me, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. David is saying my guilt is eating me alive. God has sent conviction. Listen, before the confrontation ever takes place, God sent conviction because most Bible scholars believe that he was in this sin for possibly a year or longer. A year or longer had passed without David making it right. A year or longer had passed with God sending deep Holy Ghost conviction into his heart. And he said, it was like I was dying on the inside. Your hand was heavy upon me. How many of y'all have ever read the story, the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Telltale Heart, about a man who murdered somebody and and buried him in the basement of the house. And and listen, every day went by, he began to hear a heartbeat. And that heartbeat got louder and louder and stronger and stronger and stronger and louder and louder louder, until the point it drove him crazy and drove him mad. And he thought it was the heartbeat of the one he had murdered. But it was his own conscience and his own heart. What are you saying when sin comes conviction follows and if conviction don't follow sin then you don't belong to God because the Bible says whom he loveth he chasteneth and God's gonna come your way and he's gonna bring strong conviction that guilt that shame that feeling listen that God gripping your heart and letting you know that you're guilty that you're a sinner we see the conviction that's felt but then and by the way, the determining factor of the consequences of sin is based solely upon our stubborn will. Do y'all hear me? The 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 for instance, God tried to get his attention by conviction. God tried to get his his attention by allowing the guilt and the shame to to keep him awake at night, to to bother him, but he would not make it right. He would not repent. And by the way, nobody has to tell you you're a sinner. And nobody has to tell you. You don't have to come to my office and say, was this wrong? Because if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is screaming in your ear. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth? Well, we move from a conviction that's felt. Now we see a confrontation that follows. David thought he got away with it. Here it is, time has passed by. God has not brought judgment. God has not dropped the hammer. Listen, all of this, and David thinking, well, I'm going to just have to live with this conscience. But there's only one problem. If God sees, God will send. In the next chapter, in, in chapter number 12, and the last, matter of fact, the last verse of chapter eleven it said, "This thing displeased the Lord." And after an extended period of time goes by, in chapter twelve it says, "And the Lord what? Look on, give me, give me verse twelve. And the Lord, come on, y'all, don't get quiet. And the Lord, you may be playing in your sin right now. You may be dipping and dapping, and you may be just, just, just playing around. But I promise you, God's gonna send something." God's going to send somebody. The Bible says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came unto him and said unto him, and he begins to tell a story. He begins to tell a story of a rich man and a poor man. This rich man had all kind of cattle. He had all kind of sheep. He had all kind of lambs. But then there was this man over here who only had one. And this lamb was special. This lamb was like a member of the family. It was like an own daughter to this man. And this rich man over here had somebody come and visit. And instead of going to all of his flock, instead of going through all of his wealth and all of his riches and all of his provision and taking something from there, he came over to this poor man who had only one and took that. And boy, that made David mad. That angered David. David was so blind in his sin that he could not see that God was drawing a picture of what David had done. And he said, I tell you what's going to happen, this man's going to die, and he's going to pay fourfold. And about that time, that prophet looked David dead in his eye and pointed his finger at David and said, Thou art the man. You were the one that did this. You had any woman you could want. You could could have had anybody you wanted, yet you came and took this wife of a man who was faithful to you, because you've done this, the sword will never depart out of your family," he said. God said, "I'm going to take your wives, and I'm going to allow a stranger to take and lay with your wives because of this sexual sin that you've committed." And guess who that person ended up being? His own son. Absolutely. Do you realize that David? David pronounced his own sentence when conviction didn't work. There must be a confrontation. Listen, we see a conviction that's felt, a confrontation that follows. But then I want you to see the casualties that we fear. For the wages of sin is, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also. The casualties that that's feared. What happened? The first thing that takes place, David has a daughter who is raped by her brother, a half-brother. But before that, the baby that's conceived in this adulterous affair dies. The baby dies. Tamar is raped. Tamar's full brother Absalom sees what took place and in vengeance kills Amnon but it's more than just it's more than just revenge. I believe I believe it was more about this. Absalom wanted the throne. Amnon was the oldest, and it would have the throne would have fell to him. But but Absalom came in and killed him because he wanted what did not belong to him. Does that sound like David? Be sure your sin will find you out. Be not conceived. What be not deceived. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also. Do you realize everything that David had done and committed, it was coming back home. Then Absalom ends up getting killed in the fight. He runs David out of town. His own son tries to destroy him. David ends up getting a venereal disease. Later on, you can can read and study that. What are you saying? David pronounced his own judgment. And because he was not willing, and I, I, I don't know... I don't know the extent of the casualties or what would have taken place if David would have immediately made it right. There would have still been issues. There would still have been consequences. But I don't know that they would have been quite as severe if David would have gotten right with God when God simply tried to get his attention with conviction. But he was too stubborn and God had to confront him. And what he did in secret, God brought to public. Now I know if you're a child of God in here and you're playing around in sin, you may be playing around on the computer, you may be messing around flirting at work, woman or man, you may be doing all that, but I'm telling you, God's watching. And what you think you're hiding, God's seeing, and it will be made public. Because you can't hide sin. Sin has a progressive nature. Church, say amen. You say, why are you saying all this stuff? you trying to scare us to death? Absolutely. I want you to look at sin. I want you to look at disobedience. I want you to look at flirtatiousness. I want you to look at lusting. I want you to look at adultery. I want you to look at anything that's contrary to the word of God. I want you to treat it like a rattlesnake. I had a dear preacher friend that could preach the, the paint off the walls. I'm talking about, I'm talking about throw down. I mean a preaching machine Now I was in Bible college and I got word that he had he had he had committed adultery with another preacher's wife it broke my heart I cried like a baby I mean it just it just I mean that's one of my heroes I mean you look up to the situation and you think what? what I was sitting I was sitting I was sitting with another preacher friend that was a dear friend of his. And I said, man, how'd this happen? How'd this happen? I said, I don't want to know the details, but how do I keep that from happening to me? He said, the very first thing he said, he got careless. They would go on vacation together. They would go do everything together. And they got too comfortable with each other. Now I'm talking about not just him and her, but the couples with each other. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope y'all keep a a, a a line. And there is a line that every couple needs to have. I don't care how good a friend you are with anybody. There are certain things that you should not talk about. Period. Amen. He got careless. I talked to I talked to another one that I said, man. What in the world? And I was crying. I mean, I was just distraught. And this is what he said. He said, Malcolm, how do you feel about it? I said, to be honest, it scares me to death. I'm terrified. I'm nowhere close as good a preacher as that guy. I'm nowhere near as, as close to God as him. I mean, I'm, I'm barely making it. I'm just trying my best to be a Christian. And that guy, he was there. And, it, and If he didn't make it and if it happened to him, I ain't got a prayer. This is what he said, I'll never forget it." He said, "You stay that way. You stay afraid of it. You stay scared to death of it. because if that scares you, you will leave it alone because if a snake scares you, you won't pick it up. Say amen. amen. Do you know when you know when we got hurt riding a bicycle, jumping ramps? You know, we're living in such a politically correct society you got I, I, I've, I've watched I, I, and if this is your kid, no offense. But when we played baseball, we didn't have all the guards. I saw a guy, a little fella in, in, in the infield playing shortstop, and he looked like the catcher. Now, if that's your kid, it's all good. Hey, man, protect them. Do whatever you got to do. Put a knight in shining armor out there, whatever it is. I, you know. But do, how many of y'all realize, remember when you set blocks up with plywood and you jumped them with your bicycle with no helmet? That's the day I grew up. And you know what? As long as we were scared, as long as we were cautious, we was okay. But when we said, hey, y'all, watch this. And we wasn't scared. We hit that, and we liked to broke every bone in our body. Are y'all with me? You know why? We stop being scared. We get careless. You say, preacher, I got to be honest with you. This is the most depressing message I've ever heard. It ain't over. I'm glad with every dark night, there's a sunrise. With every black sin, there's a snow-white forgiveness. When David is confronted with his sin, he said, I've disobeyed God. Now, I want you to take your Bibles real quickly because I done went over time again. Now I want you to turn with me to Psalms 51. And we're going to read what takes place when David is confronted by Nathan. Psalms 51, David tells Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. But in Psalms 51, we get to see what David told God. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a careless Christian who lusted after a woman. And did an ungodly deed. And now he's standing before a holy, just God. And he says in Psalms 51, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold thou desirest the inward part and in the inward part and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with the hyssop, purge me, wash me he says and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit in me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation you say, why did he say restore? because living with guilt, living with shame, living out of fellowship with God for a year. He didn't have any joy. He didn't have any peace in making things right with God. He said, God, I want my joy back. I want that what's coming. Lord, in my salvation, uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee deliver me thou from blood guiltiness oh God thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness oh Lord watch this oh Lord open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise for thou desirest not sacrifice else would I have given it thou delightest not in burnt offerings the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart oh God thou will not despise when we have sin in our life God doesn't want us to give more in the offering to make up for it. God does not want us to serve in more ministries to make up for it. God does not want us to go to church more to make up for it. It doesn't matter. God wants you to come with a broken heart. The word contrite means this, pulverized. It means broken. God cannot walk into your heart unless it is broken. God wants you to see the guilt of your sin. God wants you to see the blackness of your sin. And if we will come with a broken heart, if we We will come with a contrite spirit if we will come and confess our sin to God. He said, "If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." I'm glad when we agree with God. You say, "Well, how does God feel about my sin?" It's very easy to see how God feels about sin. All you got to do is go to a hill called Calvary one day and look at an old rugged cross and see the Prince of Heaven, the beloved Son of God, hanging on that cross, bleeding from every part of His body with a crown of thorns in his head and spikes in his wrists and his feet and you will see how God feels about sin and until you are feeling the same way until you agree with God that your sin is that dark your sin is that black you'll never be forgiven a contrite heart a broken heart listen coming to God and 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 listen confession is not saying I did it God knows we've done it Confession is saying, God, I feel about this sin as you feel about this sin. I am broken. Can you see David's brokenness? Oh, God, wash me from my sin. Oh, God, deliver me from my guilt. Oh, God, purge me with the hyssop. Give me back the joy that I've lost. Give me back the song in my heart. Give me back the peace that I have found. Oh, God, would you help me? Would you help me? there's no pride here there's no arrogance here listen there's no there's are y'all with me today and when there is contrition and there is confession hallelujah to god there's a powerful clearing you see we we said earlier that there is a there is a progressive character in sin there are powerful excuse me painful consequences of sin but there is a powerful cleansing of sin when there is contrition and there is confession there is a clearing one of the greatest verses in the bible one of the greatest verses in the bible says in hebrews 9:14 how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Some of you are walking around with guilty consciences. And that's unnecessary. Lee Strobel says this and I'm done. He said we were doing a baptismal service and, and we told the people that came to be baptized and came to the platform. We gave them a little piece of paper and we said, write down a few of the sins that you've committed and fold the paper up and then nail it to the cross. They had a wooden cross on the platform and they said, take whatever, whatever the devil's made you uh, 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 guilty of and whatever has bothered your conscience, you fold it up and you tack it to that cross. Listen, Jesus nailed it to the cross. The Bible says he took all of our sin and nailed it to the cross. He fully paid for that by his death. Pastor Strobel shares a letter that a woman wrote after that that baptismal service had taken place. She said, I remember my fear. In fact, it was the most fear I'd ever remembered in my whole life. I wrote as tiny as I could on that piece of paper the word abortion. I was so scared someone would open the paper and read it and find out it was me. I wanted to get up and walk out of the auditorium during the service. The guilt and the fear was so strong my turn came, I walked toward the cross And I, I pinned that paper on that cross And I was directed to the pastor to be baptized He looked me straight in the eyes And I thought for sure that he was going to read this terrible secret and That I kept from everybody for so long But instead I felt like God was telling me, I love you It's okay, you've been forgiven I took your guilt, I took your shame I took your penalty I felt so much love for me, a terrible sinner. It's the first time I've ever really felt forgiveness and unconditional love. It was unbelievable, indescribable. The question is, do you have a secret sin that you wouldn't even want to write down for fear that somebody might open it and find out? How about a sin that's always unfolding in your mind whenever you try to move on or receive God's blessing or whenever you try to get down and pray, the devil always reminds you of that thing or that night or that experience. I'm telling you, there is a God that's big enough. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. I don't care how black the sin, there is a God who's big enough. There's a God who's merciful enough. There's a God who's loving enough who will take your sin, as black as it is, and dip it in red blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, and it'll come out white as snow. What are you carrying around that the devil's haunting you with? You need to come today at this altar and nail it to the cross. You need to give it to God and quit carrying it. Because, listen, you say, well, what what about people? What do they think? It don't matter what their opinion is. The only opinion that matters is Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know that Jesus and God changed his attitude toward David? I'm glad you asked. Because I found a verse after the repentance, after the restoration of David. Watch what God says about David. God says this in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 8. He's rebuking the king Jeroboam. He said, And he rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it thee, yet thou... Hast. Watch this, what he says. Yet thou hast not been as my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart to do that only which was right in mine eyes. This is the same God who sent the preacher to say, Thou art the man. But now, after David's repentance, God restored him. And God only sees him as he seed him, or saw him before the sin. For all you goody-two-shoes in here, that don't mean nothing. But for you people like me who's made mistakes in your life, that means everything. There's something that takes place at salvation called justification. One of the greatest things I learned in Bible college was what justification means. You know what it means is simply this. Just if I had never sinned, and when we make things right, and we bring our shame and our guilt and our sin to God, and we confess it to Him and give it to Him and say, God, wash me thoroughly, white as snow. He looks at you just as if you had never sinned. Well, what's that guilt and that shame all about? You see, the only reason God sends conviction and that guilt and that shame is so you will turn back to Him. And once you turn back to Him, it's not necessary anymore. Y'all not getting it. It only serves one purpose. Shame and conviction and guilt only serves one purpose to get you to turn back to God. And once you have, it's done its job. And God. Well, what is this I'm feeling? You're listening to the devil. You see, because he's a liar. He's a liar. All right, Brian, if I told you today you got a, you got a perfect car, say you got a brand-new whatever, whatever you like. It's brand-new sitting in the parking lot. And I come and you say, Brian, ain't no sense in getting that car because it ain't going to crank. It ain't going to crank. Is that going to bother you? Well, if you know that it's brand-new and you know that it's running good and you know that it's fine, and I tell you it ain't going to crank, is that going to bother you? No, because it's brand-new. You know I'm telling a, I'm telling a lie. If you told me my truck ain't gonna crank, I'm gonna go get in and drive it home because I know you're lying. What's the point? Why are so many Christians, when the devil tries to bring an accusation your way, you listen. The devil is a liar. And if some of y'all are still carrying it, here's what I want you to do. In your mind and in your heart, when we give this invitation, whatever that thing is that the devil's haunting you with, I want you to come and give it to God. Jalen, I don't know where you're at, but we need you up here. And let's let's ever head bow and every eye close. Ever head bow and every eye close. Listen, God did not have me preach this on accident. There's some folks that the devil's bothering right now. There's some, there's some folks that the devil's haunting right now. There's ever head bow and ever eye close. Hey, we all have issues. We all have skeletons in the closet. We all have issues. If you got something you want to give to God, will not you bring it now? They're going to sing softly. Hey, let's be as serious with God as we can be right now. Be as still as possible. Go ahead. Y'all sing something. Is God dealing with your heart? This song says you can nail it to the cross. Won't you come? Won't you come? Is there something you'd like to give to Him? God knows it. You know it. Are you tired of carrying it? We've got people in this altar. You say, preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. Well, come on. Come
1: on. We've got people that will pray
0: with you right now. We've got people that will help you right now. Won't you come?
1: Won't you come?
0: He loves you. Come on. Won't you give God your life? Quit running. Quit hiding. Quit hiding. We your We're covering it up. Won't you give it to Him? Give it to Him. He'll take it. He'll do away with it. He'll take it, wash it wide as snow. He'll take it and it's gone. He'll take it and remove it forever. stand our feet if you need to come. If God is standing with you, if God is speaking in your heart, will you come? God bless His There's something you need to take to Him. Just nail it to the cross. He'll take it right now. He'll remove it out of your life. He'll restore His joy. He'll restore His peace. He'll restore His hope in your life. What a God. Come on. Keep singing. Keep singing. Just sing on. All is God there me. a burden oh, you bear it has got
2: you Lord, battered
1: you for all and bowed? Are you struggling for strength? Do you want to lay it down? Don't take another yes, step. Hallelujah. Just kneel where you stand. Sing on now. Lay it out Hey, this song is so true. And take that hammer in your hand. Hallelujah. Sing it with it. hail it to the, the cross. Get it under
2: the blood. Drown your pain in every stain in the mercy's blood. Hail uh, it to the cross. Find hope and forgiveness. You at the tree and walk
0: away free. I had a man tell me one time he was a leader in the church I pastored in South Carolina and he'd made some mistakes he was so broken about it came to me and he said, said preacher I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit this and I'm going to quit that and I'm going to quit this and I'm going to quit that and I'm gonna... in other words he's going to just quit everything he was doing for God I said why are you going to do that now I know there are certain things that require healing and restoration and, and, and all that kind of thing. And sometimes, sometimes uh, resigning and, and and stepping back so you could get healed and, and all that. I, I know that's in order. But sometimes the devil will creep up on our shoulders and say, uh huh, look what you did. Look at look at that mistake. You're not, you don't even deserve to do something for God. And I took him to that verse. I said, God said he would purge your conscience from dead works, not so you can quit. Not so you can throw in the towel. It says so you can serve a living God. You know what God wants out of every person in this room right now to leave when you leave? He wants you to leave with a clear conscience. He wants you to leave with the joy of the Lord. He wants you to leave with hope and and understanding and a knowledge that God thinks you're the greatest. That's what He wants. Now, if you don't have that right now, I'd find a place and I'd find one of these altar workers and I'd get them to pray with me till that came. Because that's exactly what he's wanting you to have. He didn't let me preach this message so you could leave burden more than you was when you came. He came to teach you the truth and tell you the truth. Say, preacher, why would you say all that? Because I'm trying to save some marriages today. I'm trying to save some lives today. I'm trying to restore hope again today. And if you will just believe God and be honest and open, God will take that and mend you and put you back together. Say Amen. We're way out of time, but I feel like one more verse. Just one more verse. Sing it, as, sing it right here. If you need to come, come on. Is
1: there something in your Don't leave broken. Heart Don't leave worried. The Lord. Don't leave Are with
0: conviction in your heart. Come give God a try. Come give God an opportunity to take what you got and make it better. Won't you give Him a try? God bless, God bless you, mother. God bless you, Mother. God bless this situation. God bless, so bless you Brother Walk away free, to the cross. How I many of y'all are glad Stacy Dye, Garrett Dye, and Ryan Jacob are coming and want to be a part of Temple Baptist Church today? Isn't that great? Come on. How I many of y'all are glad Justin Jones is coming and wants to be a part of Temple Baptist Church? Wants to join up and be part of who we are. Hallelujah. Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal we have several services so we can fit more people and reach more people but we're never going to rush a service if people are at this altar we're never rushing God I don't care how long they got to stay out there we're here for that purpose this is not a cattle auction we're not rushing them in and rushing them out we're here to meet with God y'all with me? so if it's a little uncomfortable getting in and out I think we can put up with that so people can get help, don't you? Amen. Ushers, y'all come on up. Y'all come on up. We're going to pray and we're going to take up our offering. This We're still, hey, they're still praying. If you need to move and go to that happy song again. I, I feel a little happiness. We need happiness. Amen? Uh, uh, how many of y'all are glad for forgiveness and restoration? Amen? Well, we're going to take up our offering. We're going to take up our offering and, and we're going to give obediently. And, and thank God for what he's done, all right? And then we, I've got just a couple quick announcements, just a couple quick announcements, and we'll be dismissed, all right? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for, Lord, letting us have the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Sing it, son. God bless. There's a happy land of promise over in the
3: great beyond where the saint of birth shall soon the glory share, where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Come on, sing now. Everybody will be happy. will be happy over there. Play it, Brandon. Turn him up. Play it. Oh, yeah. Y'all sing it with us now. Everybody will be happy
0: praise and glory. Amen. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Listen, next next Sunday at 4, or excuse me, 5pm next Sunday at 5pm I'm going to be preaching at a wild game, hunting and fishing, wild game supper. Alright? And uh, it's going to be at Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church. This wild eyed, spitting to the third row Baptist preacher is going to be throwing down in a Presbyterian church. You got to come see that. Amen. Come out and be a part of that. We're gonna have a time. Now they have asked us if you're if you're saved. If you're saved, you're coming and you're bringing a lost person because it's an evangelistic event. Uh, the lost person don't have to bring nothing. Just just bring them and come. But if you're gonna come, and you're part of God's family already. Uh, make sure and bring maybe a vegetable or a side item to kind of help out with you know uh, uh, so everybody can get a little something something. Say amen right there. All right. And then also don't forget to pick up your invitations for Easter. Our invita- our, our Easter presentation will be His Life for Mine. It's going to be awesome this year. Pick up your invitations. Let's go ahead and get them out and let people know we're going to have an awesome time come Easter Sunday. And all God's people say Amen. Amen. Now listen, these guys are still up here. All our altar workers are still up here. If God's still dealing with you and this crowd scares you, I get it. Don't sweat it. I understand. But they're here, and they'll be willing to help you when we dismiss, all right? Now it's going to be crowded out there, remember? It's going to be crowded. Don't let that sweat you. Uh, We're here to meet with God. And as long as God's meeting with folks and people getting help, we're just going to deal with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So j- let's try not to get clogged up out there. Amen? If you're here for the first time, I would love to get to meet you. I'm going to be right on the outside of that wall right there. I'd love to get to shake your hand and meet you. And with everybody else, y'all pray for us and uh, and uh, uh, pray for the next service. How many of y'all help me pray for that next service? Amen. Well, let's be dismissed. Jalen dismisses in prayer and thank God for what he's doing.
3: Lord, we thank you for this day. God, thank you for what you've done already today. And God, we're going to go ahead and praise you and give you thanks for what you're going to do still today. God, just be with us. God, lead us. Guide us. God, direct us. Lord, just let us use what we've heard today. God, apply it to our lives. Lord, just once again, we say we love you and we thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.